Welcome to Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm your host, Taylor Velazquez. This year's legislative session has officially come to an end, and when it came to child welfare, the session was mostly uneventful. Several pieces of legislation proposing many solutions, ranging from creating a task force to address foster children sleeping in state office buildings, to a constitutional amendment to move the Children, Youth, and Families Department out from under the governor, and to address key issues like the lack of transparency at the agency. This legislation saw little to no movement and some bills were deemed not to remain this budget-focused session. The Legislative Finance Committee issued a report card for CYFD, citing that New Mexico consistently ranks among the top six states for repeat maltreatment of children, occurring within 12 months of an initial allegation of abuse. Lawmakers expressed frustration with the agency, but ultimately they did allocate almost $18 million to help recruit, train, and support foster care providers and create evidence-based prevention and intervention services, among other initiatives. Beyond legislation, several events have brought the ten- attention to CYFD, including a safe surrender of a baby using a baby box in Berlin, the Kevin S. team who handled the, st- the suit against the state on behalf of former foster kids reporting little improvement, and the Senate confirmation of Teresa Casados as the permanent secretary of CYFD. This morning, we'll discuss several of the bills that died during the session, what comes next for CYFD, and potential solutions both in and out of the legislature. Were you disappointed in the legislature's handling of child welfare, or what steps do you think need to be taken to improve CYFD? Let us know by emailing us at letstalk at KUNM.org or call in live at 505-277-5866. And I want to introduce my first guest this hour, Sen- or State Senator, Senators Republican Crystal Diamond Brantley from Elephant Butte and Democratic Senator Jerry Ortiz-Pino from Albuquerque. Good morning, you two. Thanks for joining us via Zoom this morning. Good morning, Taylor. Good good morning, Taylor. And you each sponsored several child welfare bills this session. And before we get into those specific details, I want to get your thoughts on the past session overall. Senator T.Z. Pino, I'll start with you. You've spent over 20 years in various roles in child welfare. How are you feeling about this past session and what's the outlook for child welfare in New Mexico? Well, we really didn't get anything done uh, substantively. Uh, There was a uh, appropriations, some, some s- several appropriations uh, in House Bill 2 that should assist the department. But the basic issue with the department is its reputation is so bad right now with the public that it has a, a, a terribly difficult time attracting professionals to work there. And until you have a fully staffed with professionals child welfare department, you just it just is not going to work any better than it is now, I'm afraid. I, we, we confirmed the secretary. I voted to confirm her. Um, she she is willing to tackle this. But to be honest, and and, I'll, and I said this with her in the room, she just does not have the background for this field. It, it's like turning a hospital over to an engineer. Uh, you'll have really smoothly operating machinery. All the x-ray machines will work but you won't have very good medical care because you don't have any doctors running the place. And that's the problem. Um, And and I've repeated it over and over again until we can attract child welfare professionals to run that department. It simply will not run well. It can't attract people. And then that leads to the public's dissatisfaction with it, which leads further to people saying, I don't want to work for that department. It's got a terrible reputation. It's It's a cycle that just 
spirals downward into um, uh, the, the the trough that we're in right now. And she can tr- she's going to try. I mean, I, I I don't know a harder working person than Secretary Casados, but it's going to be very difficult until you really put somebody in there who knows what they're doing with the child welfare background. It won't attract enough professionals to make a difference. And Senator Diamond Brantley, I'll throw you that same question after this past session. What do you think about the future of child welfare here? I don't have a lot of confidence in it, unlike uh, Senator Ortiz Pino, who I respect greatly and I think has great background in that, where he's going to be missed there in the legislature. I will tell you, I did not vote in support of the confirmation of uh, Teresa Casados, really as it was a vote of no confidence. I'm not confident in the agency. I'm not confident that she has the expertise to turn this around. Look, we met for a very short 30-day budget session. We passed the largest state budget in history, over $10 billion. $250 million of that goes to CYFD. And in fact, $20 million this year alone in just new programs that we hope to see a return on. The reality is we continue to throw money at a broken system. We don't see any return. Even in a budget system uh, session, we can address legislation that does not have a fiscal impact. And it was very disappointing to me that uh, bills that are often reserved for a state of crisis or an emergency can get a call from the governor's office and that CYFD and the state of crisis that it's in did not get any more uh, messages for those proposed legislation to move through. We saw very little change. Uh, one of them was was basically to bring CYFD background checks up to federal standards. Okay, that's really not moving the ball forward, but it was necessary. We heard a memorial that does very little than acknowledges that there's a crisis and that's it. A memorial that came out and says, we need to do something about CYFD. And we confirmed a secretary who is not equipped and qualified to lead this broken agency. That's it. That's the extent of us addressing this this child welfare crisis that we're experiencing. And we did little, very little in the last 60 day session and this emergency budget session, nothing was addressed. And so there's a pledge from the governor's office that will handle the crisis next year. We will have gone two years before even addressing anything meaningful. And I'm not optimistic that even next year we'll go ahead and do anything Uh, that's significant. We had some some very heavy hitting uh, proposed legislation that would make drastic change. Uh, Senator Ortiz Pino brought forward a constitutional amendment that would completely change the leadership of CYFD that was supported in both sides of the chamber, both sides of the aisle. Uh, Drastic times require, you know, drastic measures to make to make change. That bill didn't didn't travel far in the interim. Every interim committee, I think, and legislator expressed the idea that we need to address CARA reform. Sending these drug-addicted babies back on a voluntary program isn't working, and yet we did nothing to fix CARA. I had a simple bill that would only just add the word fentanyl as exposure to child abuse. Right now, methamphetamine um, exposure is, is considered, but not fentanyl, and that didn't go anywhere. There were some very basic, easy steps that we could have made uh, made to really try to put a dent in this child welfare crisis, and it was completely ignored. So um, it would be an understatement to say that I'm I'm confident that the legislator is going to really handle this next year either. And you mentioned how much just was going into a 30-day session, but I want to dig a little deeper into House Bill 106, which you had just mentioned, which would make exposing a child to fentanyl child abuse. We have a fentanyl crisis in New Mexico, and the governor has even signed an executive order stating that this is a public uh, health emergency. So it seems like it's a nonpartisan issue, but there were still some objective, objectives. Um, 
The fiscal impact report from the legis Legislative Finance Committee said that CYFD anticipates that this bill re will result in increased rate of criminal prosecution of parents, guardians, or legal custodians for whom evidence exists that they have knowingly and intentionally exposed their child or children to fentanyl, which is more likely to also result in additional obstacles for family reunification and increase CYFD caseloads. We already know that there's a significant backlog at the agency, and without major investments, there's, there's they're hard-pressed to catch up on these issues, but is it fair to expect even more from them now? It, it is, and we're, we're certainly providing them the finances to go out there and recruit, retrain, and equip uh, caseworkers to handle these loads. But let me tell you what you just said, the objections and the pushback from an agency that is supposed to be protecting children every time there's proposed legislation that would do just that is very upsetting to me. So there's pushback in an FIR that came from an agency saying, hey, wait, if you include fentanyl on the list of substance abuse that constitutes a child abuse, that puts way too much work on us. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. We are in a fentanyl crisis. We are in, in a state of crisis when it comes to child well-being and our own agency that is tasked with making sure that they're looking out and prioritizing these vulnerable children are saying, uh, maybe we don't want to add fentanyl to the list because it puts too much of a workload on us. That That's just mind boggling to me. And I think that that is part of the, the crisis that we're seeing is that we have an agency that will not address the issues, um, but perhaps some of the most disappointing. I will also tell you my dis most disappointing part of this session was not only are they pushing back on the proposed legislation that was introduced by legislators, but the agency themselves came with zero proposed legislation. They came to legislative session and did not have any bills of their own. Zero proposed changes to a broken agency. That's disheartening. And Senator T.Z. Pino, what do you think about yeah. what? Yeah, go ahead. Well, the, the, yeah, there, there's a basic issue here that, that's really uh, important to understand, and that is that CARA, the federal legislation, says that you should not treat drug exposure for a, a baby before it's born as a child abuse issue so but that doesn't mean we shouldn't serve those families and that's the crux of it the department only seems to be interested in working on issues where there's evidence of child abuse and neglect there are a lot of warning signs that come in far earlier than demonstrated child abuse and neglect that ought to be picked up on for example exposure to fentanyl now i don't think it makes a lot of sense to say that's by itself evidence of abuse because that will just get us into court more often and I'm not sure going to court protects the kids. What the families need is real services to try to figure out what's going on and how we can avoid any kind of stepping up of the problem to the point where it does result in abuse or neglect. That's And, and, and the department does have a proposal uh, for a family services division which would do that. The issue is the reputation of the department is if they get involved in anything, they're going to take your kid so people won't cooperate voluntarily. And, and that police function gets in the way of the service function. There has to be some clear delineation between the two functions. Services to families that are troubled, that obviously have problems, need to be provided. But that shouldn't necessarily read, lead automatically to going to court and taking the kid away from the family. 
And I think I want to follow up with you a little bit more, Senator Atizi Pino. The next few bills we'll be discussing this hour that either you or Senator Diamond Brantley have sponsored advocate for a change in the way CYFD is operating now. You sponsored Senate Joint Resolution 6 that would take CYFD out from under the governor's control and instead create a Children, Youth, and Families Commission headed by an executive director. This was one of the more aggressive approaches that we saw to child welfare this session. How do you think the governor has failed to lead the agency and how do you think new leadership would help? Well, you know, the governor has named three separate secretaries uh, in her five years, five and five years and two months in office, uh, three separate secretaries. That's every two years, early, quicker than every two years, there's been a new secretary. That's the heart of the problem. And and we had great hopes when, when she brought in um, uh, Brian Blaylock, uh, that fizzled disastrously. Then she put a secretary, the secretary was the former uh, justice of the Supreme Court. Wonderful woman. Everybody had great high hopes, but she simply didn't have the organizational management skills to move the department. And now she's brought in her former chief of staff after a national search, a national search that resulted in finding the person in the office right next to her. I don't know how serious that national search was. The issue is that as long as it's a politician making the appointments, the decisions are going to be heavily influenced by politics. My approach was an effort at pulling it out from politicization and trying to make it really a professional organization, trying to make this like we have the Public Regulatory Commission, where you try to, as much as possible, take politics out of the, out of the equation and make it really professional. Um, I don't think we can ever have confidence in a department when the secretaries are going to change with every administration. There's just too much shifting back and forth. Um, we've had in the last, since I since I could remember from around the year 2000, 12 separate secretaries. That's every two years we're changing a secretary in that department. No wonder the confidence of the public lags. No wonder we just don't have enough uh, professionals willing to work there. And and that, you know, that's to me the single most telling thing that the vacancy rate now, when I worked at that department, the last time I worked there was right as the consent decree was lifted. Uh, the federal court monitoring that had been over the department for 20 years was lifted in 2003 because we had achieved all the goals. The caseloads were small. Every, every kid who needed a foster home got into a foster home. There was nobody staying in offices overnight. We had uh, professional staff. Everybody on the staff was either licensed as a bachelor's level social worker or a master's level social worker. And you had um, uh, uh, foster and adoptive placements were moving toward permanence. That is, kids were not, not being kept in foster care until they aged out at age 21. The, the dilemma was as soon as the consent decree was lifted, we started making exceptions. We started hiring non-professionals for certain positions. We started letting the caseloads get bigger. At some point, they stopped in providing services to families unless there was evidence of abuse or neglect. And, and, and so all of a sudden, you had caseloads jumping because um, you hadn't intervened early enough and, and you weren't providing preventive services. All of that could have been avoided if you had just stuck with the the provisions of that consent decree. That's and there's what so I would much like to, to dig 
into this hour from what we're hearing so far this morning, but we're going to head to a quick break. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. I'm Taylor Velazquez. We're talking about several pieces of legislation that stalled out this past legislative session that would have addressed challenges with our child welfare system. We'll be back in a moment. Support comes from Wild Birds Unlimited, offering backyard feeding supplies and advice on bird feeding to help bring song, color, and life into any backyard. More details at Wild Birds Unlimited, with two locations in Albuquerque and one in Santa Fe. KUNM programming is made possible by supporting members from Las Lunas, Moriarty, and many other communities, large and small. No matter where you call home, thank you for your generosity. KUNM, powered by you. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hello, I'm Omkari Williams, author of Microactivism. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about how small, consistent actions can make a big impact. Saturday mornings at 6 on KUNM. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Taylor Velazquez. Next week, we'll be discussing aging and long-term care. Today, we're talking about the state of child welfare after and after the ending of this year's legislative session. What would you like to see changed when it comes to CYFD? You can give us a call at 505-277-5866 or, and let us know, or you can just shoot us an email at letstalk at KUNM.org. And I would actually like to bring in another guest on this topic. Joining us via Zoom this morning from Santa Fe is Teresa Casados, Secretary of the Children, Youth, and Families Department. Good morning, Secretary. Thanks for joining in. Good morning, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me this morning. I really appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion and talk about you know, where CYFD is and how we're moving forward. Yeah, for sure. It is a big topic from what we've learned so far this morning. And I want to talk a little bit about what you have said previously in the past that you think that CYFD is not a failing agency. And I want to get your thoughts on Senate Joint Resolution 6, especially as you were just confirmed by the Senate into the secretary position. Um, yes, thank you very much, Taylor. I appreciate that. And, you know, um, I had an opportunity to speak with Senator Ortiz Pino, who I respect very much for the work that he has done in the child welfare system over the many, many years. And um, I just, you know, honestly feel that Senate Joint Resolution 6, um, although, you know, we all want to make sure that this agency has the leadership that it needs and the employees that it needs and can do the work that it needs. Um, you know, New Mexico has an incredibly successful, you know, national model of cradle to career and CYFD is a part of that, you know, working with our ECECD department all the way up through, you know, PED and higher ed and workforce solutions to really make sure that we're supporting these families as a whole. And I know that there are some people who don't believe family belongs at CYFD, but it is the core of what we do. And ensuring that our families are supported and have what they need to be successful, and that includes housing and fooding, food and you know, other resources that they need to be able to be successful as a unit so that they can get the services that they need and the raise their children in a way that works for New Mexico. And so removing that body from that cradle to career model and having them as a standalone really takes a very vulnerable population and removes their voice from the table. 
you don't get to be a part of the strategic planning. You don't get to be part of the governor's cabinet where they sit and strategize and figure out how they're going to meet those needs. And it puts you out there on an island by yourself. And so I don't I disagree that change needs to happen at the agency, but I don't think that that is the right approach in giving the agency the support that it needs to be able to be successful. And thank you for explaining that, Secretary. This bill didn't get a lot of traction this time around, so we'll see if we hear more about it in next year's session. But let's move on. You had said there can be a lot of work done at CYFD without legislation. What kind of things have you done since becoming the interim secretary last year? Um, you know, there's been a lot of work that was done up front about kind of the setup of the agency. And so, you know, we talk a lot about the caseloads and the workloads, but so much work had been piled on the backs of or on the desks of those employees that were out there serving kids. You know, that included making payments to foster payments. That included travel reimbursement vouchers. Um, it included all of the HR. So if you were a manager or a program director in a program, you were responsible if you had a vacancy in filling out all of the paperwork and making sure that it got posted. And all of that has now been shifted and moved to our HR department, which has been completely reset. Um, all of the financial aspects have been taken and moved to the ASD department, which has been completely restaffed. And we're retooling that department. So there's been a lot of work within the department to really streamline and structure it appropriately so that the social workers and the caseworkers who do have the experience are in there doing the job that they have the experience to do and are not bogged down with paperwork that is not necessary for them to function in their positions. And I agree with Senator Ortiz Pino. It's been really hard to recruit those individuals, but they have very specific talents. And when you're brought into a job, you want to use those talents to the best of your ability to serve the people. And giving them other unnecessary duties um, was also bogging that down and making it difficult for them to want to continue in those positions. So, you know, we've worked a lot at, on that. Um, we've been working on addressing the office day issue. Um, you know, it's not just a matter of re saying we need more foster families. We need more foster families that are actually trained and prepared to deal with the issues that we're dealing with today. Um, I think, you know, Senator, Senator Diamond and Brantley pointed out the fentanyl issue that we have in the state. That is a huge issue that we're dealing with across the state. It's not just, you know, the parents or the babies that we're dealing with at CYFD. It's an epidemic in our state and it affects those kids and the issues that they are dealing with are so much more severe than what we were dealing with many years ago when we just had you know, foster families who were willing to take kids and it ended the office days. You know, we have placements that we do and the kids end up back with us and then we house them in the office. Um, that's our job is to make sure that they're safe and that they have a place to sleep. Is the office the ideal spot? No, it absolutely is not. And we're doing a lot of work on our recruitment and retention efforts with foster families. Um, you know, there's more work that needs to be done. I'm open to that conversation and communication and people who come to the table with real solutions to help us solve these problems. And looking forward a little bit, Secretary, since the session is in the books, um, with such broad responsibility at CYFD, what are your priorities going forward? 
our priorities really are the workforce and making sure that they have the support that they need to do their job. Um, we have been hiring. Um, our vacancy rate in protective services is now down to 19.6%, which is the lowest that it's been in over two years. Um, so we're working to get them hired. We're working to make sure that they have the sufficient training that they need to be able to do those jobs. And, um, you know, to Senator Ortiz Pino's point, we're really working on early intervention and prevention. I was really disappointed because I agree, if we can do that early on and get to those families before they're in crisis, I think we can really start to turn things around for us across the state of New Mexico. But that initiative was not supported by our legislative body this session. Um, you know, we didn't receive any support for the restructure or the opportunity to do prevention and intervention. And that was very disappointing to me. And we actually do have a caller on the line. Good morning, Veronica. Hey, good morning, everyone. So I work here in Albuquerque, but I live in Valencia County. Um, we are right now in a really tough situation. Everything that has been said today is um, just heartbreaking. Today's the sixth month anniversary of um, losing my son to fentanyl. Um, his children... He did the right thing. He gave his children to his sister. They were taken out of her custody for something else that had nothing to do with her. They were given to her other sister that has an extensive criminal record. Um, so February the 1st, we went to um, court and this is not being handled. This is being handled by a court judge, a, a regular judge, not a family judge. He will not let this go. The guy, the guy from CYFD um, has been amazing, but his hands are tied. We made a report last year, last summer, I believe, that my grandson was pushed and had some bruising for from one of um, my other daughters, my other older granddaughter's boyfriend. Um, the judge now asked us for a sky report. All of these words are, are just, they don't mean a lot to me, but um, this is the first time we've ever been involved in something like this and it's so overwhelming. I'm the sure, Veronica, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I know it's not easy, and we truly appreciate you calling in this morning. And Secretary Casados, I want to get a little bit of your perspective on how families can navigate this child welfare system and what resources are out there for them. Great, Taylor. Thank you so much. And Veronica, I extend my sympathies to you. I'm really sorry for the situation that you're in and going through. Um, you know, it is difficult for families and we want to make it as easy as possible for them to navigate that system. We're really looking at, you know, how we set up our family services and we're moving forward with that because it is critically important. And if we don't do that, then we're just standing back and waiting. And that's not what we do as an agency. We don't wait for them to fall off that cliff and then be there to help them stand back up. We want to be there to support them right now. And so 
Um, we do have the authority to continue to work through family services, and we're doing that. Um, we're setting that up through different intakes so that it's not necessarily just those that are being reported for, you know, abuse and neglect. We're there to help families navigate with the issues that they're facing. We really have to have community support, legislative support, advocacy support to build out that network in our state. We don't have the services that we need for individuals when they do need services. In rural communities especially, it is incredibly challenging for them to get the help that they need to be able to maintain their family status. And, you know, we as a government and advocates, we need to, you know, be there to help build that network so people can get what they need to be successful. And Senator Diamond Brantley, this kind of goes along with the conversation we're having right now. You sponsored Senate, Senate Bill 83 that deals with CYFD plan of care failures by parents or guardians. Can you tell us a little bit more about that bill? You know, right now, the CARA plan is optional. And we had had extensive conversation in the interim and several different legislative interim committees that talks about how we need to make sure that for two different reasons, when a baby is born child uh, uh, substance abuse, that we're following up one to make sure it's our first red flag that CYFD comes in early and follows that that baby and the family, but follows that baby to make sure that we have early intervention. That at that point, a file is opened and we're filing, following that particular child. Additionally, that would be the time to come in and provide services to the family and whatever that may look like, housing needs, foods and security, whatever that may look like, that's our first step to come in. What we found out through our, through our uh, reports through LFC is that many of the mothers who go home with a care plan, over 40%, didn't even know they had one. There was never any follow up on this. And so what happens is we have these uh, programs or some sort of process that, that goes into place and then completely falls through the crack. And so what we were attempting to do there is make sure that it wasn't voluntary, that if a baby is born child in substance abuse, uh, that we're following that child along to make sure one, the family is getting the resources, more importantly, that the child is being looked after. Um, that, in addition to a totally separate bill that would have allocated and added fentanyl to the list of substance abuse um, that would qualify as child abuse, are some very basic steps that we can take. Didn't seem to be supported by the agency, got little traction, as did most of the uh, proposed uh, uh, child welfare legislation that was introduced this session. And Senator Casados, uh, I want to get your perspective on this conversation as well. Great, thank you so much. I would love to respond to that. So I just want to clarify that yes, the CARA statute does make it a voluntary program, but the only involvement that CYFD has in the CARA bill right now, the way it currently sits, is when it's reported as abuse and neglect through our sky. So if in fact the child has been abused by a parent and that involves a report, then we do an investigation. It is right now the MCO's responsibility to do the CARA plan of care and to do the follow-up work and make sure that they're receiving the services that they need. It is not a CYFD responsibility at this point in time. We don't get those in, that information of those babies that are born substance exposed because just the exposure of that individual does not qualify for abuse or neglect at this point in time. We did propose that CYFD establish a program. We asked the legislature 
to give us that program so that we could be involved prior to the birth of that child. We could be involved in establishing that care of plan. We could be involved in the follow-up with those individuals to make sure that the families are receiving the needed services. That was not supported by the legislative session. They gave that instead to the healthcare authority, which does not do direct services, who will then continue to contract with the MCOs to do that services. So we're continuing to work across agencies between ECECD, us, Department of Health, and HSD. We're also bringing in the MCOs so that despite the fact that it wasn't you know, given to us to establish a program, we're still working to establish that to make sure that those families are receiving those services early on and that we are more involved through our family services to make sure that we can get them the help that they need um, and start to change that. I agree 100%. We need to really look at that and make it stronger. We can do that. Fentanyl is considered a drug. It doesn't need separate legislation to say, look at fentanyl specifically. We take that into consideration with abuse and neglect at this point in time. And I want to take a quick moment to introduce another guest who's joining us via Zoom, Marilyn Beck, founder and executive director of New Mexico Child First Network. Good morning, Marilyn. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you all for having me. And we're discussing safety plans right now, and you're serving some of the most vulnerable children in New Mexico right now. What is the best way to maybe keep families in contact if the situation allows for it, but also not actively keep them in the house if there is an open case, if that's also an option? So, Taylor, I just want to say real quick, um, I think the point of this conversation is about child welfare and crisis, and I, I would be remiss to say solutions exist. Um, it is frustrating that we're having these big conversations about things. CARA is a state law under the Federal Plan of Safe Care Act. All the feds asked us to do to implement Plan of Safe Care was to start tracking how many substance-exposed babies there were and to start reporting those numbers to the feds. The rest of the CARA law is a state law. I just want to really focus this conversation because it's frustrating. I think we're all having really big, important conversations that I think the point of this conversation today or my understanding was that our kids are not okay. Um, our organization, New Mexico Child First Network, is specifically working with child welfare exposed, this, um, the foster care, and then those care babies, which under the state law in 2019, prior to that, if a, if a baby was born substance exposed, they likely could have been come into foster care. We changed that. That was a CYFD law under Brian Blaylock. So when we're talking about the department or who's, who's in charge of CARA, MCOs, which are the insurance companies, that's a state law. That's not a federal law, right? So, so when we're talking about this, I think just I want to say one more time, that solutions exist. And I wanna say that when we introduce, I think the confidentiality clause, like when we say we can't talk about it, it's confidential, that's a state law, right? Um, I, I just am looking at Senator Ortiz Pino and Senator Diamond Brantley on, on the screen. You know, we have to do better, but I just can't say enough that solutions exist. And I think leaving the session, the most frustrating and honestly depressing issue is that we didn't address these issues. CARA is not working, but that's how our state is implementing it. That we, I, I think the governor should call a special session. And it, it's having conversations like we're having right now with Senator Ortiz Pino and Senator Diamond Brantley and the secretary, and I see ECECD is on here, which is the early childhood. We need to be having big conversations at a table and understanding that we're all talking in big words, but that's not what the law says. That's not what the law says. And bring in frontline workers who are saying that's not what we're implementing on the ground. 
the hospitals have been told they cannot call in under the current law a newborn who has been born substance exposed alone. So under the current law and under the implementation, the hospitals are being told if it's just substance exposure, that is not abuse and neglect. So, and that could have been changed if that was cannabis, right? Cannabis alone is not substance exposure. If mom had wine last night, don't call that in as abuse. If it is fentanyl, they are being told because that is a substance, it's not abuse or neglect. So these are really big conversations that are hard to be having on the news. I want to say solutions exist. They've been presented. HB 106, that bill died, but it's so frustrating because fentanyl is an issue. And, and so I, I want to thank you so much, Marilyn. Those are all really great points. And I'm sure we'll have so much to talk about after our break. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. We're talking about what comes next for the future of New, New Mexico's child welfare system and possible fixes to address longstanding challenges. I'm Taylor Velasquez. We'll be back in a minute. The spring fundraiser is right around the corner on March 16th, and you know what we're looking for. Businesses and individuals who can offer a $500 challenge grant. We really need a handful of donors to step up to help ignite this year's fundraising efforts. So if you or your business would like to be that spark, please contact me, Shanda Shaw, at 505-277-8006 to make your contribution a challenge grant. That's 505-277-8006. We may not admit it, but many of us develop a real bond with our cars. Some may even call it love, but many years and many miles can bring them to a point where they just won't run anymore. Well, there's a way to honor your beloved car or truck one last time by turning it over to your other love, KUNM. We'll tow it away gently, sell it, and turn the proceeds into a great radio. So go ahead, call 888-KUNM-CAR. That's 888-586-6227. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM. We're discussing child welfare. Do you think CYFD should be removed from the governor's purview? There's still some time to call in this morning at 505-277-5866. And I want to return to the conversation that we were just having before the break. And Marilyn Beck had pointed out maybe there's room for a special session. And Senator Diamond Brantley, we you've all shared your frustrations for the session this morning. Do you think there's an appetite for a special session on child welfare? I, I couldn't see the governor calling a special session for that because she had an opportunity to address child welfare bills that were introduced this last 30 day and didn't take action then. So I, I can't see her prioritizing child welfare in a special session, although I would certainly support that and, and think that if there were ever a crisis um, and an emergency that New Mexico should respond to, it would certainly be this, especially when you put it in terms that we had a special session just to come back and legalize marijuana in the state of New Mexico. And then to put this uh, CYFD in, in, in a state of crisis on the back burner and not come in and propose changes uh, seems seems absurd. And, and, you know, while I agree it shouldn't take legislation to make CYFD kind of do, do their job, in fact, they could simply follow some of the uh, the terms laid out in the Kevin S. lawsuit. Uh, they're not doing that. And so that's why we need to create laws. We need to put uh, guardrails in place to make sure that we're making sure that our kids are safe. And Senator Ortiz Pino, I want to follow up with you as well. If we have to wait until next session, do you think a 60 day meeting would yield greater results? Well, we don't have to wait to start talking about it. We have interim committee processes and uh, I'll be I'll still be chairing the interim health and human services committee. Senator uh, uh, Diamond Brantley is on the legislative finance committee. 
there's a courts and corrections committee. All of those will be working during the interim between now and next session to come up with proposals. And I would love to see us take one of our three-day meetings and just focus on CYFD and what Marilyn said. There are solutions out there. I mean, we've got to deal with this issue of the confidentiality being used to protect the department instead of protecting kids and families. Uh, that and the CARA program. The CARA program needs to be addressed. We need to figure out a way how to get more professional social workers into the department. There's a lot of things we need to do. I was struck when the secretary talked about uh, she couldn't go for an independent commission to run the department because it's so crucial that the cabinet secretaries work together in their cabinet meetings to get this. Those are private meetings. The public has no idea what goes on in the cabinet meetings. If we had a commission, those would be public meetings. They would be working with the other department. There's no reason not to work with other departments. Just because you're not part of the cabinet doesn't mean you don't talk to the housing people or the health department or the public assistance people. You need all of them, the early childhood people. You need them all. But you would have to be able to do it in public. The cabinet meetings aren't public. We have no idea what's going on there. So those decisions need to be made with the public watching, with the press reporting on them, with input from the public into those decisions. And we need to, to we can do some of that thinking and planning for the next session in the interim committees. And, and that's what I would love to see happen in all three of those committees that I mentioned. And Secretary Casados, I want to get a little bit more of your perspective on this discussion right now. What are you making of the, this um, point that maybe there's greater intergovernment relationships that could be built? Um, yeah, Taylor, I would be happy to respond to that. Um, you know, I don't believe that to be true. Um, I think that as a cabinet member, personally, um, you know, you build those relationships. We do um, strategic planning with the cabinet. We do retreats with the cabinet to really build those relationships that are crucial to being able to carry out a lot of the work that has to be done. And if transparency is a concern, you know, I offered to do quarterly meetings with interim committees or set that up on a quarterly basis to talk about the progress we're making on Kevin S. And so, you know, there is a ton of work that needs to be done there, but it's work that we're doing. And all of that is work that, you know, we, we have to report out and I'm happy to do that in an interim committee on a quarterly basis. And, you know, legislators can come and have that conversation and we can talk about the progress or, you know, the things that need to be changed or what we need to introduce in the next legislative session. Um, we can set that up. We can set that up with other cabinet secretaries to do many report outs if that's something that the legislature feels is important to being able to have transparency at the agency. I'm in favor of changing the bill that allows us to be more transparent and not as confidential in the stuff that we do at CYFD. I believe people have a right to know. So I think there's just a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding of the intent of what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to do it on an island behind closed doors. I want people's support and input as we build a better child welfare system for the state and of New Mexico. Secretary, you just mentioned the Kevin S. lawsuit. We saw the co-neutrals actually just publish a letter. And Marilyn Beck, what are you thinking about this letter? What were the findings? What's going on there? So the Kevin S. Um, letter, and I know that 
we talk about it a lot. There was a class action settlement agreement that CYFD, HSD, and, and the plaintiffs came to the table, and that's disability rights, that's Pegasus Legal Services for Children, it's Native American disability. But I want to say, and this is where I want to leave your listeners, is that the letter that was published on January 26 says, there is a clear and urgent safety risk for children. And I cannot say it enough. There is a crisis, and I appreciate the secretary who I'm having a meeting with in two hours. I appreciate the secretary acknowledging there is a crisis, but our kids cannot wait. And I appreciate Senator Diamond Brantley saying, we've called a special session for less. And, and I just think that we don't, if we could just come together with the experts, the Kevin S. team lays out in their 100-page settlement agreement what needs to happen, and it's not happening. And I just want to say there is a clear and urgent safety risk for our children in state protective custodies. We are talking in really big words about really big things, but there are kids sleeping in offices tonight, and, and I just don't want any New Mexican to lose sight of it if there is ever a crisis that we should come together and care about, it is this one. Thank you. And Marilyn, just to follow up, in your perspective as an advocate, what are some of the biggest challenges in child welfare right now? Is it money or staffing? Is it something else? It's the culture of secrecy at CYFD. It's the retaliation. And I think this job is too big for one person. I appreciate the secretary. I'm, I'm seeing her in two hours. But I want to say our organization has been desperately seeking an office of the independent outside objective ombudsman for workers to go and say, I have a problem. I got a whistleblower call yesterday. People find me and they say, Marilyn, because my name is out there, they reach out to me, parents, foster parents, right? There is a culture of secrecy. And right now, the only place you can go to complain about CYFD is CYFD and people don't trust CYFD. I'm sorry. Thank you. And I actually want to introduce my last guest this hour, Sarah Michelson, Deputy, Sec or Deputy Secretary at the Early Childhood and Education Department. Good morning, Deputy Secretary. Thanks for holding in. Yeah, of course. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And so far this morning, we've been talking about longstanding challenges, and we heard from Secretary Casados earlier this morning that early childhood can really help with those early interventions, help families get the resources they need so they're not having to interact with CYFD later on. Can you explain a little bit more how that's going to work? Yeah, I can absolutely. Um, about almost, I think, going on five years ago, the governor created our department really to elevate and acknowledge that this cradle to career, Secretary Casadas mentioned, approach is necessary to support families. Uh, we know that family stability and family support um, can often be at its lowest when they're at their highest need, when they're ready to welcome a child into their family or when their child's the youngest. That's often when families are struggling the most economically um, and or, you know, it's a very hard period of life where historically we haven't had a lot of support. School has traditionally started at five. New Mexico has long been different in that front. We have long had pre-K for four-year-olds. We're building that out for three-year-olds. Um, but we've also made big strides on making sure that from the time, even before a child is born, their parents have support through home visiting um, and that they have support to go to work or school through childcare. New Mexico has the largest and most generous childcare assistance program in the country that supports families to access free childcare all the way up to 400% of the federal poverty level. That's $120,000 for a family of four. That right there, that one intervention alone is huge. Um, to the, uh, you know, to 
what families need and to go to work and make sure they have that economic support. And, uh, you know, I apologize to my legislative folks on the, the the creation of the department was, of course, a partnership between the legislature and the governor. I think the state overall and our policymakers have really understood that starting early is really critical to preventing children from entering the child welfare system and preventing families from having the issues that they have because of poverty or because of lack of support from the state. Um, this, you know, budget year represents an, another great uh, year of support from the legislature and from the governor to continue to build this system. Um, a few things I want to highlight given the conversation that's that's been had is there's $1.5 million going to HSD for Medicaid home visiting rates. We operate the home visiting program at ECCD, but um, for those families who are on Medicaid, uh, HSD partners with us so that they can be connected with home visiting. That includes building out a universal home visiting model called Family Connects that will make sure that all that connects with birthing hospitals, that supports families through a light touch home visiting model um, to say, hey, what help do you need? Do you need support finding childcare? Do you need support finding a pediatrician? Do you just need somebody to talk to? Because being a parent is really hard and it doesn't come with an instruction manual. Um, everything from that to continuing our great child care assistance program and expanding our pre-k program so that way from that prenatal to five uh, spectrum we have uh, support for families and for children and i want to follow up a little bit more how will early childhood work with cyfd yeah we uh work continually i just had a meeting with my cyfd colleagues yesterday on a, a home visiting program um, called Safe Care that we're working to bring to the state of New Mexico that really is focused on prevention um, and even some light intervention with families. CYFD has a, and in their restructuring, the secretary has really elevated the family support um, and created a family support division. Um, and so it's great to have that analog to work with right at CYFD. Their prevention range is much larger than ours from that age of zero um, to 17. And that's just, um, gives us uh, partners to work with every day. We've been working together um, for years, but I just think I wanna elevate that this restructuring I think is super uh, helpful and, and supporting that intervention piece, which is a really big piece of the child welfare system. It's a big piece of the federal child welfare system and dollars that come down. It's a big piece of what CYFD does. And so that looks like making sure that um, we have home visiting programs that support families in CYFD that foster parents receive support, that child care assistance support. There's a wide range of ways that our programs intersect for both the prevention side and once children are involved in child welfare, making sure they have the services they need. And Senator Tizipino, I want to circle back to you. What are your thoughts since you have been working on this for over 20 years? Actually, over 50 years, but 20 years as a legislator. Um, I just contrast what, what uh, Sarah Mickelson was just saying about EC, EC with what we've been talking about with CYFD. And that is ECEC EC has had one secretary. There's been continuity, a vision that's moved through five years. During that time, CYFD has had three secretaries. And ECEC EC is staffed with professionals. They all are from that field. You don't have people who need a job being found a job at, at, CY, at, at ECEC the way you are at CYFD, uh, it just changed, it, 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 it's a stark contrast, the two departments. And as a result, they also have, they're sitting on $6 billion 
uh, Children's Trust Fund that guarantees that in the future, any initiatives they want to tackle, they'll be able to finance. CYFD is, needs that kind of attention. And we actually have a caller on the line, Lori from Albuquerque. Good morning. Yes, hi. Can you hear me? We can hear you, yes. Hi. Um, I just want to say thank you uh, to everyone. Um, I am currently a foster parent, and I just agree with the earlier comments that someone made about how this is truly a crisis situation. I am extremely angry with our governor that she did not bring this as a priority to the legislature. Uh, because if there is any priority that should have been addressed, it is this one. These kids in foster care, the whole system, this is the future of New Mexico. And not addressing it and not taking care of it, to me, is a tragedy. And I just think, in my mind, how many more kids have to die? How many more tragedies do we have to hear about on the news before this is really taking a priority with our governor, with our government, and with the legislature. And, um, you know, I, I just hope, hope upon hope, that something can be done to address this crisis. Thank you. Thank you for calling in, Lori. And Secretary Casados, I want to follow up with you as we're closing out this hour. CYFD was awarded money this year for the budget. And I want to get a little bit more into how those funds will be used to address those key issues like Lori just mentioned or what we've been talking about all hour. Um, yeah, Taylor. Um, so I have to admit, I was really disappointed in the allocation that was received by CYFD. I know that we have a large budget, but we also have a huge mission and a lot that we need to get done. You know, last year we reverted, I believe, a very small amount out of our juvenile justice budget. Everything from protective services was allocated, was spent, and we received a 0.6% increase in our operating budget through the legislative session this year. There is funding that was set aside through Grow It that will enable us to do specific programs spread out over three years. Um, they did allocate, reallocate money that was allocated to us previously for behavioral health services. Um, $20 million, which now half goes to HSD and half to CYFD. Um, they did give us an additional $2.2 million in one-time money to increase our staffing. Um, you know, it's virtually impossible with one-time money if you can't budget that out. So when they say that they supported us in this reorganization and the huge mission that they've given us to transform this agency, you have to ask yourself, what is a 0.6% increase do for the agency. So, you know, our staff is working hard. We're going to make the changes that are needed. Um, it is, you know, at a point where our state as a whole is in a state of crisis with child welfare, you know, and all of the contributing factors are not just CYFD. We have a housing crisis. We have food insecurity for some of these individuals. There are so many other factors that go in to the instability of these families that really need to be addressed. And so, you know, we're ready, we're rolling up our sleeves, we're gonna do the hard work, we wanna have those conversations and partner, um, but you know, we're gonna get this done. I appreciate all those thoughts, Secretary, and everyone sharing this morning. And I wanna thank you, say thank you to our guests, Marilyn Beck, Senator Jerry Otizipino, Senator Crystal Diamond Brantley, Secretary Teresa Casados, and Deputy Secretary Sarah Michelson. Let's keep the conversation going. Search KUNM Radio or on Facebook or email Let's Talk at KUNM. I'm Taylor Velasquez. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM.